Greetings, everyone. Uh, good morning on this wonderful cold morning. Uh, my name is Shiami, last name Liu Hong. As previously mentioned, I will have the honor of leading us into the word uh, this morning. And I think let's just uh, pray for the word that has just been read out. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, we we thank you, Father God, that your word is life, Lord. We thank you, Father God, that your word, O oh Father, it is a life-giving bread, O oh Father, that when we are thirsty, we can always run to you, O oh Father God, and our thirst will be quenched, O oh Father. And I pray right now, Father God, as you're going to be getting into the word, O oh Lord, of all creation, may you go before us, O oh Father God, and order each and every word that proceeds from my mouth, O oh Father. May it be a word, O oh Father God, that comes from you, O oh Lord. And I pray, O oh Father God, that as I speak, that may it be you, O oh Father God, that reminds and talks to your children's hearts, O oh Father God. That even though I don't say anything, O oh Father God, there are things that you continue to say through your spirit, O oh Father God, to their hearts, O oh Father God. That it is not only that which I say, O oh Father God, but it is you who continues, O oh Lord, to minister to your children. I pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah, family, we, we've been going through a series of what a fellowship city, what, an, what a fellowship city would look like. That is to say that what is it that a true fellowship city, a true church that we believe that we are building will look like. Um, in the first week, we looked at what grace would look like in a fellowship city, that a fellowship city nurtures grace. And we, we further looked at the fact that a fellowship city nurtures a Christ-likeness, empathy, puts people first, and it nurtures truth, justice. And now having, having learned all those things, we, I have the, uh, the honor of closing off the series uh, with a service. Uh, the fellowship city nurtures a service. Now, when serving, uh, we extend the grace of our Lord and Savior to the people that we are serving. Uh, we showcase uh, his character. We, we empathize with, with his children and put them first. Um, we, we are honest in our interactions and are just in our dealings with them. So this, this wonderful morning will be, as I had already mentioned, that we'll be looking at uh, service. Now, if, if you have been around church for a while, uh, you have most likely have had the call to service. You, have been, you would have been encouraged to come and serve in the church in the body of Christ. And ordinarily, the scripture that will be used to call you into service will be um, Matthew 9 from verse 35 to 38. Uh, I believe that... Uh, we have it and it will be shared on the screen as well. But in this particular scripture, Jesus was just concluded, uh, you know, praying and preaching and teaching. And, and, and the Bible says that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, uh, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every diseases and sickness. When he saw the crowd, he had compassion for them. Uh, this this one, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, this is, is, it calls for a rabbit hole, but I will not go into it. Uh, it further goes on to say that then uh, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord 
of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Now, you would know, uh, ordinarily, when the scripture is read, obviously, after this particular uh, uh, verses, uh, Jesus calls out his disciples and he gives them authority over everything and, and then he sends them out. So ordinarily when this particular scripture is read, it is a call for service. It is a call for people to come in to service and, and it is normally used uh, to encourage and implore people to come and serve the church. But now the question that I that comes to my mind is when you have been in church and you have had people calling you to come and assist in the church, to come and serve in the church, how has that made you feel? When you heard the preaching and the sermons about serving in the church, how has that left you feeling? Was it, were you feeling guilty that you're not serving or were you feeling implored and, and, and exalted to come and serve? I just want to come out uh, from the outside and say this, that uh, I am not here to, to guilt trip you into service in the church. I'm not here to try to, to encourage you to come and serve in the church when you don't feel like serving in the church or in any church or in a fellowship city. Uh, you see, service should never be about or should ever have its basis as, as compulsion. It, it should never be about, it should never be about the feeling of guilt. I need to serve because if I don't serve, then the pastor is going to be standing in, in the pulpit and preaching about how many uh, laborers, how many, how many few, or rather how few laborers are there. Uh, that, is, that is not what I'm here for. I'm not here to employ you and I'm not here to guilt trip you into service of the church. Uh, service should never be about, about position in the church. It, it should never be about you seeking promotion in the church, seeking to sit and to get the best seat in the church. That is not a service, that, the kind of service that a fellowship nurtures. That is not the kind of service that we are, we are nurturing, that we are looking for. We are looking to see in our, in our body. Um, service in a fellowship city must never be about self-interest. It is never about you when you are serving. It should never be about you when you are serving. If, if you feel guilt-tripped into serving and, and now you just want to serve so that you can take out the guilt out of you, then I believe that you are serving for the wrong reasons. And, and that is why I'm saying that I'm not here to say that you must come and serve if that is what encourages you, if that is what implores you into, into, into service. There is a um, you know, a service must have as its foundation love. That is what we believe. A service must have as its foundation love. You, you love for the people that you are serving, love for the body that you are part of. Without love, you cannot authentically serve. And that is what we are encouraging. We, we are encouraging that if you want to serve, let love lead. Don't let guilt trip lead you into service, but let love be the one that encourages you, that implores you, that calls you into the service of our Lord and Savior. There is a German philosopher by the name of uh, Frederick uh, Nietzsche. He was in the 19th centuries, and he said this, um, what distinguishes men from animals is not our ability to think, to reflect, to meditate. But that which is most central to describe our humanity is the will to power. It is the will to power. 
that every human being has a drive within them in their nature to conquer, to climb the ladder, to become the king of the mountain, to get to the top, to be the winner, to have the best seat in the house. That is every human desire to be listened to, to be heard, to be in a place of influence. And there are people sometimes and uh, we look at it and, and look at service as a measure or as a way of reaching and attaining those innate desires that is embedded within us. You know, we look at James and John's request to Jesus and most of us will definitely see ourselves in them. We want a place, we want a place of influence, a place where we are ahead and our ideas are respected. A better, what a better place to be than in a place of, of significance, a place of, of power and a place where we are able to speak and what we are saying is heard. We are able to, uh, uh, to command and what we say people do. And you can only get that if you are in a place of power. In most cases, people seek that and go to that under the guise of service. But that is not what we want. That is not what Christ wants for us. In our service, that is not what should be the motivator for us to be heard, for us to be listened to, for whatever we say to be done. That shouldn't be the motivation behind what we do. You see, the significance of the requests of James and John can be found in ancient kingdoms. Whoever, was, whoever sat closest to the king had almost the same kind of authority as the king would have. Whatever the king says, he implements. So what is James and John saying to Christ? They wanted to be Christ's enforcers. They wanted to be the first to grasp the information, whatever information, whatever commands that Christ give out, they wanted to be the first to hear it. You know, now we're living in the age of, 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 of um, social medias where, where everyone wants to be the first to break the news. Uh, a couple of, of, of what was it? A couple of months ago, last year, when we when we had when we first got into lockdown. Um, and 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 and, and uh, that there were days that were put aside to say that okay we are going to be into lockdown and 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 nobody must do anything or nobody must go anywhere, and there was a time where the president had was going to come forth and speak to the nation again, and I believe it was Somizi who who spoke and said that the, the lockdown was going to be extended based on the relationship that he has with a certain minister. A minister who was in a place of authority and put there to serve, but he used that position to disintegrate, to disintegrate rather the information that he was supposed not to, to divulge to the community and to the nation and wait for the president to be able to, to be the one that tells the, that tells the nation what is what was going to happen. But because that particular celebrity was in the confines or in the best seats with the minister. He got the information beforehand. Now, the kind of service that we are talking about in the church, the kind of service that a fellowship city nurtures, it is not that kind of service, wherein you are put in a place where you'll get, you'll be the first to know the information, where you'll be the first to be able to, 
yeah, to know things that other people don't. That is not the kind of service that we are talking about here. That is not. And if that is the motivation towards you serving in a fellowship city, then your motivation is misconstrued. You need to reflect and change your ways. Now, we also look at what has happened in the recent past politically, uh, where people use their close relationship with the president for their own selfish enrichment, name dropping to get their way. That is not true authentic service that you're talking about. And now, if, if you go back to, to, to what the disciples did and what, what happened, what transpired after they have had the call of James and John, or the request of James and John, they became indignant. But why did they become indignant? Was it because the, the request was just out of order? Many scholars believe that that was not the reason. Many biblical scholars believe that the reason why they became indignant was because it was a request that he also wanted, but he don't have the courage to ask for it like James and John. That they did not go there and ask for it. But that indignation became a teachable moment for Christ. As we look in verse 42, uh, verse 42, let me just get it here. Yes, in verse 42, from verse 42, it says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who, love, those who are regarded as rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high official exercises authority over them. Now, if you want to see the best picture of this, you would go to the book of Esther 3, where Haman wanted to exterminate the entire population, the entire race, the entire nation, simply because Mordecai refused to bow down before him. That is the kind of authority that the nation, that the world extends over its people. But not like that for us, he says. Not like that for us. Don't be like that for you, Jesus says. Not so with you, Jesus said in 43. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be the first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That is the kind of service that Christ wants of us, the kind of service that we, as the children of Christ, need to be exuding and showing the nation the true kind of service, the true kind of service that is selfless, that is not about me that I am serving. It is about those that I am serving. I am extending them, I'm taking them up, lifting them up so that they can be higher than me. You know why? Because the first shall be the last. The first shall be the last. The first shall be the last. That is the kind of service that God wants us to have. That is the kind of service that God is calling us into. And if it was not clear enough, if that purpose was not clear enough, Jesus went on to show them, to extend it, to show them in, verse, in, in, in John 13 from verse 1. Uh, to verse uh, 17, but we'll start, I think, from verse 4. Let's start from, no, let's start from verse 3. 
in John 13, verse 3. From verse 3, he says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. As if him telling in, 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 in Mark 10 that he who that, that the true service that he wanted, the true service that he wanted them to exude, that for even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve. If they did not understand that aspect, here it was in action. Jesus showed it to them in action. He showed it to them in action. I can only imagine them sitting down and, and enjoying their meal and then seeing Christ getting up, seeing him taking off his outer garment and wrapping it around his waist to say, to, to say that now it is time for work. The time for playing is gone. The time for playing is past. It is time for me to show you, to show you, to show you how I need you to serve one another. And then he washes their feet. He serves them. You see, this was a task that was reserved for servants. Those who were rich would come back from whatever toil they were busy with outside, and they would come and they would sit down, they would recline on their dining table, and their servants would come forth and wash their feet. And wash their feet so that they can just rest. But Jesus is saying to, the, to his disciples here, I am your servant. I will wash your feet. I will serve you. Even though I understand, even though I know that everything is in my power, even though I know that God has given everything to me, but still, I'm going to disregard that. I am going to serve you. I am going to put you first because you're the most important to me. That is the kind of service that I believe that Christ is calling us into. The service that says that even though I may be holding a higher position somewhere, even though I may be seen as a particular kind of individual, still, because I am going to serve my Lord, I am taking off my self-importance. I am taking off everything that makes me important, everything that makes me look important, everything that makes me act important. I'm taking it off and I'm going to serve. I'm going to humble myself. I am going to serve. I am going to serve. And I'm not going to serve because I want to be seen to be serving. I am going to serve because I love these people that I am serving. I am going to serve because that is what I am called to. I am going to serve simply because God has showed me, Jesus has shown me how to serve properly. In, 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 in verse 10, he says, Jesus answered, that was after Simon Peter did not want his feet to be washed by the master. Because Peter understood that, no, you are greater than I am. You cannot, be, you cannot be washing my feet. You cannot be serving me. Let me be the one that serves you. But Jesus comes forth and he says, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean. Though not every one 
of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said, not everyone was asleep. Oh man, this is another sermon on itself, but let me not go there yet. Let me go to verse 12. He had finished washing their feet. He put on his clothes and returned to his place. I have finished serving you. Now let me go and recline as well. Let me join you in your place of importance. I have served you. But then, that is not just it. For he goes on to say, do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher. You call me Lord and rightfully so. For that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, now that I, the Lord, your teacher, have served you, have shown you how proper and authentic service looks like, now that I have shown all those to you, this is what needs to happen. Now that I have shown you, uh, now that I, the Lord, your teacher, have washed your feet, you should know, you should Wash one another's feet. Now that you have seen me do it, so, you should, so should you. You should wash each other's feet as well. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than the master. Now he's a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. The service that Christ showed to his disciples was not about him. The, David, the service that he has shown, the, it was an example that we need to follow. That if you truly are the followers of Christ, this is the kind of service that Christ implores us to do. You know, um, I've been with my, my girlfriend now for almost 15 years, uh, 10 of, almost 10 of which we, we were married. And for the most part in our marriage, she has been the one that was in charge of, of, of making sure that we eat some delicious food. She would cook the best of meals and I would happily indulge. And every now and then I'd be the one that, uh, you know, relieve her of her duties. But when the lockdown started last year, I had noticed how hard she works for her employers. And I did the very same thing. And I realized that it was unfair for me to expect her to work as hard for her employers and still be the one that does everything in the kitchen. So I decided that for a couple of days in a week, every week, I will relieve her of her duties or relieve her of, of what she would be doing in the kitchen. And I will serve her with my culinary delicacies, so to say. And I didn't do all those things simply because I felt compelled. I did it because I loved it. I did it because I loved the fact that she can just sit down and rest and let me, allow me to serve. And there are a couple of pictures that, that I believe that Lesero will show for us of certain things that I may have uh, created. And, 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 and just don't ask me how many, how many, you know, with regard to the beef stew and, 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 and the steamed bread, whether that was for a single individual or not, that is beside the point. But what I'm saying is when the time came for me to serve her, I would serve her. I would create a table for her. I prepared meal for her. 
I allowed her to indulge. I allowed her to, to just freely eat. And, 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 and this is something that stood out for me. Whenever I would cook and I wasn't really happy, even when I'm tasting the food, I would taste that, no, there is something that is missing. And that thing would be pure, unadulterated love. Every food that I prepare for my wife and for my children must always be encompassed, encapsulated, engulfed in love. That is the one ingredient that makes every meal worthwhile and worth indulging in. Worth indulging in simply because of love. When you are compelled, when you're called by love, when you're called to serve through love or by love, I understand that some people here might be very hungry and it's very cold and I can look at these pictures of, 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 of the, uh, uh, the, the fat cakes and I'm like, oh, goodness me. Ah, yes, fat cakes, or oh, in this book called, oh. But anyhow, what I'm saying is, when the food is covered in love, when it is engulfed in love. A couple of weeks ago, Morendeni uh, uh, was preaching here and he, he, he spoke about his love-hate relationship with dishes. But you see, he understood something that sometimes you do it because you love the person. You don't want to see the person suffering. You love them so much so that you want them to see them rest. So you do the dishes. But that then reminds me of a certain video that I saw the, a couple of days ago where a man went and he washed dishes for his wife and he videoed everything and he cleaned the kitchen it was spotless and he was waiting for the wife to come back from wherever she wherever she was and give him a give him compliments for saying oh you have done the dishes and all that but when the wife came in the house he looked she looked rather at the dustbin and said but you didn't even take out the trash so the fact that he washed the dishes that didn't really mean much but, but it got me thinking, the reason why he videotaped everything there wasn't because he served her out of love, I believe. I believe it was because he was waiting for compliments. The compliment that the wife would give for him having washed the dishes. The motive itself of serving, of washing the dishes was wrong. Because if that is the case, then why was there a need to videotape everything? to videotape the reaction. Because if you are saving out of love, obviously some of you might say, oh, now you've taken pictures of the things that you've cooked, then you are showing us those pictures, then you're also motive. But I was just, just giving an example, okay? <laughs> I was just giving an example. But, but, but here's the thing, the service that we give to our loved ones, to the members of the fellowship city, to a fellowship city, to the communities around us, must never be out of a desire to be seen, must never be out of a desire to be pointed out and, and applauded. Our service should always be about the love that we are extending, the love that we received from Christ and we are extending further to those that are around us, that we are showing those that are around us the kind of love. Okay, let me get ahead of, my, ahead of myself. You see, if, if, if you feel compelled to serve, if you feel like you have to serve, I implore you that the Fellowship City does not nurture compulsion service. A Fellowship City, this Fellowship City does not nurture, 
does not want you to serve out of compulsion if you are to serve. It is okay to pull back and say, I'm not yet ready to serve. It is okay to pull back and say, no, you will not, you will not be chased out of the church. You will not have any inferior seat within the house. No, you will not. We don't want you to serve if you want to serve, if you wish to serve. We don't want you to serve out of compulsion. We want you to serve because you love serving. Now, there are other people also whose heart is always out there, who wants to serve, who are always ready for everything. You need somebody for prayer, they are there. You need somebody for something, they are there. There is a risk in that. You overextend yourself in the service of the church, getting busy in doing things for the church, forgetting about God of the church. That is not the kind of service that you want. Somebody who is always ready and willing and who overextends themselves. You see, in Luke 10, 38, Luke 10, there's uh, 38 and 41. Let me just see if I can get that. Yeah, Luke 10, verse 38 and 41. This talks about Mary and Martha. Uh, it says, at the home, okay, as Jesus and his disciples were, on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what, she, what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had, to, that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me uh, to do the work by myself? Tell her to come and help me. Martha, 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 the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Or indeed only one, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Sometimes we get so busy serving in the church that we forget our relationship with God and we forget our relationship with Christ. We're so busy trying to make sure that everything within the church goes smoothly that you forget to sit down and pray. We forget that as much as we need to serve in the church, we also need to serve our Lord and be served. That is one of the pitfalls of service, overextending yourself and forgetting to serve the real thing and only chasing after the shadows. You know, Christ says um, in, in, in uh, let me self find that scripture. Jesus, Jesus okay, when, when asked which is, the, which is the greatest of the commandments, after Jesus says, uh, I believe that we have that scripture, uh, 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 if, you, if you can put it for us. Let me just, but in any case, what, what did me, what did, what in, in a sense it says is Jesus was asked by one of the Pharisees, what is the greatest of them love, of the commandments rather. And then he tells them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. Let's see here. I think I have it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and then he goes on to say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. 
The second is love your neighbor as you love yourself. There is no command greater than this. This is the thing. The second one is love your neighbor as you love yourself. I was in a city, we were in a city group the other day and we were talking and one of, one of, our, one of our great uh, soldiers in the city group, uh, uh, Rudolf, he, he mentioned this scripture and says that, he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And when it comes to service, it will mean therefore that go serve your neighbor in the manner that you serve yourself. But therefore, if you have not been serving yourself, you will not be able to go out there and serve your neighbor. I found that to be very profound. It means therefore that before, before you go out there to serve, you yourself need to be served. You see, you cannot, you cannot pour out of an empty cup. An empty cup can never overflow. An empty cup can never overflow. That is the reason why you need to go to the Lord to have your cup refilled every now and then. Have your cup refilled every now and then. Uh, uh, take time out. It is okay to take time out. It is okay to say, no, I need some time out. I have been saving, yes. I love saving, yes. But I'm depleted. I need some time out. Even Christ himself, he would withdraw himself from the disciples. He would withdraw himself from the crowds and go spend time with the Father. So if we are only concentrating on saving and don't go out and recharge, we will end up resenting God and resenting the church for our own choices, for our own choices. So if you are going to serve, don't overextend yourself. Don't chase the shadows. Chase the real thing. That is God. Don't forget to take time out. Just like Jesus did, we withdrew himself. Now, this is one of our ethos here. In a fellowship city, we don't want everyone to do everything. We don't want you to, 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 to be available for each and every single thing. Our ethos is this, that you choose to do one thing. When requested to do anything, choose to do one thing and one thing only and do it well. Just choose one thing and one thing only and do it well. It is okay to say no to the pastor. It is okay to say no to the leadership of the church. To say, I am not able to do that. It is okay. You will not be chastised. You will not be chased out of the church for saying no. It is okay. One thing and one thing only and do it well. That is what we believe in. If you ever feel compelled to serve, please, I beg of you, don't. Don't serve when you feel compelled. Don't serve when you don't feel your heart called out to it. So when you are going to serve, if you are going to serve, serve because you love serving. And if you're not able to say, no, I am not able to, it will not be held against you. You will not be demoted if there is such a, a demotion thing in the church, but you will not be demoted simply because you said no to service. Serve because you love serving, not because you're feeling guilty. Serve because you want to extend the grace that you have received from our Father, not because you feel compelled to serve. That is the kind of service that a fellowship city measures. In closing, let me just 
and pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we come again before your throne, Lord. We are grateful, O oh Father God, of the examples that you have set for us when it comes to service, O oh Father. We thank you, O oh Father God, that you've demystified what service is and what service is not, and what service should and what service should not be. We come to you, Lord of all creation, to say, O oh Lord, teach us, O oh Father God, how to properly serve and serve in a manner that brings glory to you, O oh Father. And not serve in a manner, O oh Father, of all creation that depletes us, that leaves us resentful, O oh Father. Enable us, O oh Father God, to say no to authority, O oh Father God, when it comes to service, when we are not able to serve. Enable, O oh Father God, us to be able to have the courage, O oh Father God, to say, Lord of all creation, I am willing, ready and willing. Or to say, Lord God, I am not yet ready. Or to even say, oh, Father of all creation, I am willing to serve, but I don't want to be in the forefront. But of all creation, keep on reminding us, oh, Father God, that service, it is not about being in the best city in town. That being a servant, oh, Father God, in your fellowship city, oh, Father God, it is about loving our neighbors. It is about loving those around us. It is about extending the grace that you have shown unto us. So we come to you this wonderful morning to thank you, Father God, for your teaching, that you continue to speak to us, oh Father, that you continue to encourage us and you continue to remind us the main reason why we do what we do, oh Father God. We pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.